Welcome to the Inspiring Brains Podcast, hosted by Nick Thielen. Join Nick as he talks to comedians, artistic people, and of course, the music scene. Any scene you can think of pop culture related, that's Nick Thielen. And now, here's your host, Nick Thielen. Let the Inspiring Brains Podcast begin! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Inspiring Brains Podcast with Nick Thielen. Very happy to have you on the ep- uh, joining me today for the show. Uh, I know this world is kind of going through some craziness right now, uh, and um, a lot of it that I'm hearing is negative, but I kind of want to take some of uh, today's episode and kind of focus on some of the positive, uh, as well as share another interview with you. Uh, in particular, what I want to focus on is... For me, as a creative artist, I've been seeing a lot of uh, musicians, comedians, poetry writers uh, sharing um, content through live stream. That's been absolutely amazing. It's, it's kind of opened our world to this new way of uh, sharing and, and uh, opening ourselves up to new people, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Um, people like uh, Howie Miller... Uh, who's been on uh, APTN's Caution May Contain Nuts, a comedian that's uh, been performing stand-up for, you know, uh, 30 years himself, a legend of the of the scene, you know, is, is doing a live comedy show from his living room. Uh, Laurie Ferguson Ford, a uh, super funny lady that I saw uh, the other day doing a comedy show from her living room, uh, using a banana as a microphone uh, and doing a show for her roommate and her dogs, uh, which was super hilarious. Uh, uh, my friend Gabriel Thane doing concerts uh, every day through live stream on his Facebook. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And then I look and see some of the events that people are putting on uh, coming up, which in particular I want to release this episode today because I want to give a picture particular shout out to my friend Curtis LaBelle who is a uh, uh, rock musician out of uh, Red Deer here and he's doing a free concert out of the Vinyl Den in Red Deer it's a free concert that you can watch from home Uh, he I like to call him kind of uh, the Elton John of Central Alberta. He's absolutely fantastic. He's going to be doing a show with his uh, big purple grand piano, uh, drums, and a bass player. So full band um, uh, doing that show. Uh, full full set. It's, uh, I'm so looking forward to this. I've wanted to see Curtis perform for a while. And uh, thankfully, after that, I'll also be able to... Um, talk to him and talk about the experience uh, on the podcast and I'll be able to share that with you next week which I'm very much looking forward to Uh, so Curtis LaBelle is doing a concert tonight, Saturday March 21st at 7pm if you want more information you can go to Facebook and look up um, uh, Music Heals COVID 2019 uh uh, or you can go to Curtis LaBelle Music on Facebook or search up Curtis LaBelle on Facebook and or on uh, 
on Google and find his website that way. Uh, and he's absolutely fantastic. And I highly recommend you check uh, some of his stuff out. He's got an amazing, uh, some amazing mu- uh, music videos on YouTube. Uh, one for uh, Pawn in My Shade uh, and another one for uh, Family is Love which I, what I love about his music is it really the goal is to, to bring people together and to, to inspire people and to, to, to spread positivity and that's, that's everything Curtis stands for in my opinion uh, and that's really what he's trying to do with uh, this concert I talked to him beforehand and I said are you uh, raising money for a particular cause or donating uh, he's not looking for money he just wants to for people to be able to have a wonderful evening and relax and uh, sit in front of the TV or the computer and share this concert with your friends and get it uh, he's absolutely fantastic with everything that he's done uh, one of the ways you, that you can support him is by going to his Facebook page and just liking his Facebook page and showing your support that way or, um, you know, following him on social media, sharing it with sharing the event with your friends and family so more people can be introduced to his music. And if you want, you can go to his website and he has a list of shows and, and things uh, that he's got going on in the future. Uh, and you can contact him if you're interested in merchandise. Um, but none of that is necessary. He's just wanting to spread positivity through his music. So a huge shout-out to Curtis LaBelle. Uh, also goes under the name Kala Music. So you can go to curtislabelle.com, like I said, and find out more information. Or COVID, our Music Heals COVID 2019, and find out more information about that. There was also a fully digital music festival featuring Dallas Smith and the Road Hammers happening next weekend, uh, March 28th, and a, f- a full second day on the 29th, the Sunday, that's being announced this Monday. That's called a Diesel Bird Music Festival, so you can follow them on social media if you're interested. Both of these events are free. All these events, actually, that I'm mentioning are free. Uh, which brings me to the reason why I am uh, the reason why I'm releasing an episode is today is not only because of Curtis LaBelle's music show, but because I wanted to share this next man's um, what this next guest is doing uh, with his time for COVID twenty nineteen. That's uh, my good friend uh, Big Daddy Taz, and Big Daddy Taz is a comedian. Uh, that has been doing comedy for uh, 30 years, and he's absolutely amazing. Uh, He's been on CBC, Winnipeg Comedy Festival. He's known as the Bipolar Buddha. And what I love about uh, Big Daddy Taz in particular is that uh, he faces uh, mental illness and his challenges, but he always addresses those things in a very funny, very clever, very uh, informative and... Uh, a funny way which I love uh, and he's he's one of the kindest human beings I've had the, the chance to talk to that's one of the things I will say about uh, all this craziness that's going on um, is that a lot of musicians and, and uh, 
comedians and other artists basically they don't have uh they they've lost income for the next two or three months so if you can go on facebook uh like their events or or and spread word about what they're doing uh it helps them to pr- uh promote their brand and get uh you know cuz that's how we we survive as artists as we 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 uh we do shows and we entertain and we can't do that right now uh big daddy taz is a, is a is a perfect example of that he's usually uh fully booked uh throughout the year and uh because of covid his uh, his schedule is basically uh, cleared up for the next 2 months so i was very grateful to be able to talk to taz uh, for about uh, 30 to 40 minutes uh recently um which was amazing thank you very much taz for all his time uh, big daddy taz one of the things he's doing for uh covid 2019 is he's actually reading uh books to kids uh in the mornings and in the evenings uh and it's it's not only for kids it's also uh for adults i actually myself have listened to a few of them and i love the little hidden easter eggs that he puts in there little jokes uh although still appropriate they're definitely intended for adults uh it's super funny i love it and uh so if you like that kind of thing or if, you, if that's something you want to share with your kids you can follow Taz Norris on Facebook um, or find his fan page. Uh, or you can go to Big Daddy Taz, Taz with two Z's, on Facebook. That's BigDaddyTaz.com. Uh, that's his website there. And he's got all his um, book readings that he's doing to the kids on his website. You can see them right there. You can also see uh, videos and uh, some of his other content and find other ways to support him. So he's an absolutely amazing guy. Super grateful for having the chance to talk to him. And uh, uh, I really learned a lot. So thank you very much to Big Daddy Taz uh, for his time. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Uh, and I hope you, if you like it, you share it with your friends. Um, and uh, everybody be safe. Uh, wash your hands. And uh, I'll talk to you for the next episode very, very soon. Uh, Thank you very much. I was nervous to come here because when the comedy festival people asked me, can you come out and talk about mental illness, your mental illness? I thought, I can't do that. It's too personal. There's no way I can do that. And then a little voice in my head said... Sure you can. Ask the toaster. <laughs> I suffer from a mental illness, and I thought, you know, it'd be, if I go out on TV and talk about it, then I'll be a good teacher for my son, because my son has ADD. AD, attention Deficit Disorder. I have to explain that. The other night I said ADD, and I didn't say Attention Deficit Disorder. A lady yells out, that's an alarm system! <laughs> It's an alarm system. I said, no, that's ADT. She goes, what's the difference? (laughs) Huge. You don't want ADD alarms.
there's somebody in my house and he's got a knife. Mm, I got a blue bike. <laughs> my dog's name is Kevin. Bye. <laughs> I asked my son what he wants to be when he grows up. He didn't even blink an eye. I want to be an auctioneer. You're ADD, an ADD auctioneer, that'd be perfect. No, 25 in the back, I got 25. 25 in the back, I got 30, 35, and I got business, I like blue. Blue's a very cool color, I like blue, blue, I got a blue bike, it's really neat. I got a blue bike, I like blue and yellow, yellow is it, I like yellow, yellow, I like pudding, I like yellow pudding, yellow pudding tastes like mustard, I think it's really cool, I don't know where the bit is, I have no idea. Anybody know where the bit is, any idea, I was just a lowest track, I don't know, but yellow and blue, yellow and blue make green, green is 100, 100 years old, 100 Saskatchewan, 100 mid, 100 mid back. Be proud of who you are. If you've got a mental illness, flaunt it. Let me explain something to you. And those of you that don't think mental illness exists, the first sign of mental illness is denial. <laughs> Be proud. When you go to the airport and they go, do you have any baggage? You go, you have no idea. <laughs> See that stuff floating around on there? Some of that's my mother's, but I carry it with me anyway. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiring Brains podcast with Nick Thielen. I'm joined today by Big Daddy Taz. A little bit of a backstory about uh, Big Daddy Taz. He's been doing comedy for over 30 years, uh, and he's known as the uh, bipolar Buddha. He's equal parts comedian and motivational speaker. He likes to educate, motivate, and inspire people, and he's traveled from coast to coast, uh, across Canada and the U.S. He's been featured on CBC Television, the Comedy Network, and he's, he does uh, corporate comedy, um, special events, and festivals. Uh, if you want to find out more about Big Daddy Taz and see some of his comedy, you can go to BigDaddyTaz.com, visit his website, and find out more about him. How are you today, uh, Taz? I'm doing I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me. I, I've been trying for a while to get you on, so it's a pleasure. I know it's not under uh, ideal circumstances with uh, you know the way things are in the world right now, but uh, I kind of wanted to start there. Yeah, this all is the gigs, all the gigs are canceled, and we finally had our. A hundred percent, and then that's kind of where I wanted to start. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before we started going, uh, talking uh, on the podcast here. You've been, uh, actually this morning you started uh, a thing you've been doing, and I don't know how long it's going to be going, but you've been reading to kids uh, over Facebook Live. Uh Tell, tell me a little bit about how that idea started going, and uh, and what's the response been like uh, so far? Well, you know what? Uh, the other day, I guess a couple of days ago, my uh, my son's little sister, he, he lives with his mom, and, and her young child was there, and I said, "Well, let me read a book to you over the over the phone, you know, over FaceTime." And uh, I said, "You know what? Maybe I should do this for a whole bunch of kids because there's going to be kids that are." You know, sequestered at home, and you know, parents are going to need a you know a little bit of a break as well. Yeah. So I, I just put I put it on Facebook, thinking, oh, I'll get maybe ten or fifteen people. But yeah, for sure, and I'll read a couple of books. But uh, dude, the over it was overwhelming. I had four, 40, uh, 4, 400, uh, 
views on the little video that I had done, and hundreds of people literally uh, saying yes, please, and they're responding, and I had 150 or 200 shares, and it just it just ballooned. It ballooned uh, much bigger than I thought, and then all of a sudden I got a phone call from one of the radio stations that I read about it, and then one of the TV stations came over, and another TV station came over, so I think, well, I guess I'm doing this. And yeah. So I picked a book that I, I picked a book that I've been reading to kids for a long time. It's called Howard B. Wigglebottom Learns About Bullies. It's about a little rabbit that gets picked on by these uh, two pigs, the uh, brother and sister pig, and how he handles it and what he should do and how, you know, at the very end he realizes that he needs to talk to the teacher about it. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a lovely, touching story, right? So, yeah. Um, I, I did it, and the, the response, I was not ready for the response. I... It, it, every time I thought I was done answering and thanking people for their kind words, more Facebook posts came up, and I think it's already been shared, you know, twenty five hundred times or something ridiculous like that. And yeah, and so we we, we, we posted it to my my uh, website as well as to my YouTube channel, and and hopefully kids like it. You know what, I little brother, I was so nervous to do this. I mean, I was more nervous to do this than I was any of the big galas that I've done or any of the TV stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just me and uh, you know a, a, a camera yeah. and a book. Wow, no response, nothing. Right? Uh, yeah, people don't realize yeah. how much we need uh, that input. Like you were saying yourself, uh, Nick, that you uh, just did your first uh, online you know, show. Yeah. online comedy show with no crowd and it's it's hard one of the one of the TV stations said hey you know what you should do this reading kids books is cool but why don't you do a I'll bring a cameraman in and you can do a, a comedy show uh, just straight to the, uh, to the camera with no crowd <laughs> yeah I said perfect here's what we'll do next let's invite a band over and don't give them any instruments <laughs> and see how that works right yeah. <laughs> goes, what do you mean I said the audience is my instrument the audience is my drummer keeps the time and lets me know when to react and when to do stuff. You know, I didn't understand. I'm like, well, now you do. So yeah. So he goes, that's a no. I go, that's a hard no. no. <laughs> well, I made fun of it a little bit. I was like, this isn't too different than some of the comedy shows I've done where, you know, uh, I was joking around a little bit. Uh, I, I thought one of my uh, one of my most uh, memorable shows that I've done to date was going to be uh, at a strip club in Edmonton where there were two people there uh, who obviously weren't there to see my show. So, uh, you know, I I, uh, I thought that was going to be a memorable show for me. But then, uh, you know, doing doing the online show was a little bit weird. But like I mentioned, like uh, my fiance was, was uh, there kind of heckling me. So that was nice. It was my first online heckle. Yeah, I don't really know how to... Uh, I didn't know how to rebuttal really, but uh, it was fun. So, uh, is there like there? There's obviously going to be a lot of uh, uh, maybe some maybe some challenges moving forward in terms of uh, like what what this uh, what this virus and things is doing to artists and stuff. Can you talk a little bit about uh, you know some of the challenges you're facing and maybe like what what people can do to support you moving forward? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's about supporting everybody. It's about supporting all the acts, you know. Every act, uh, we're all independent contractors. We're all self-employed. And, and moving forward, uh, I mean, on, uh, you know, between Friday and Monday, I got I got uh, phone calls that canceled my whole month's worth of work, so thousands of dollars down the tubes. 
between uh, myself and other acts. I'm, I'm an, you know, I'm a, 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 I'm a producer as well. So of course I had to call these other acts and say, hey, you know what? This is the way it is. They're gonna be, they're gonna reschedule it. And so, yeah, you know, the only way is gonna be that we're gonna support everybody, and everybody's gonna understand that we're in the same boat. The problem is the boat is small, and when you're bitching about something, it actually annoys me. You know, somebody was saying they got mad at the booker for canceling a gig that was, uh, you know, two months away. Well, you know, we don't know when, this, when we're going to be done being under viral quarantine, right? Yeah. Also, if everybody's under viral quarantine, none of us are working. And I don't even mean the acts. I mean, nobody's working. Nobody's getting money coming in. And how are the producers uh, supposed to sell tickets to people that, to an event that may or may not happen, right? Right. So think, think beyond your hands. Don't worry about, you know, yes, worry about yourself and plan accordingly but to get upset with somebody because they're canceling a gig that's government you know it's government mandated that these are canceled right yeah. and, then, and, and people are like oh well I'm losing money yes you're losing money the venue's losing money the charity's not going to get the money that they they had right mm -hmm. coming yeah. the, the other acts are losing money the people that were running the venue are losing money the people that they spent money on advertising are now losing their money we're all losing money so you know what you know, keep it, keep up to yourself a little bit. Be, be scared. Be, for, you know, be, be cautious. You know, take, you know, do as much as you can to to be part of the solution, and that and that's just going to be just existing at this point in time, right? Yeah. Well, like I mentioned off the top, uh, you know, and you mentioned as well, you've been doing this for thirty years, uh, stand up. Yeah, can next you year, next year will be my thirtieth year. November November twenty first, nineteen ninety one was the first time I stepped on stage. The yeah. headline was Kenny Robinson and uh, the the middle act was uh, a guy named Brian Cox and a Saskatoon. Both of them still doing comedy. And of course Kenny is uh, is an icon, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I was gonna say, can you take me back to that first time that you did stand up and what that was like for you? <laughs> like Well, it was the first time I got paid. I got paid uh, I got paid uh, twenty five or fifty five dollars, probably Knowing who the booker was, it was fifty five dollars. Uh, he got, he got, or I mean twenty five dollars. He got fifty five. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I remember thinking I was the cock of the walk and getting on there and realizing that a bar show was completely different than a club show, mm -hmm. and that my shit was not very good. And I got two or three laughs, and I always tell the story. And Kenny, Kenny gets upset by telling the story, but he was, he was. Kenny joked with me, and he said, "Listen." If you do well, I'll uh, let you right up front, right? <laughs> yeah. So I go off the stage and I go, how did I do? He goes, get in the trunk, he says. <laughs> and he was, he, he was joking. And I and I loved him for that because I was so nervous and wasn't sure if I was accepted. And then when he goes, get in the trunk, I knew that Kenny accepted me as a, as a comic. And we've been friends. We've been friends for 30 years. Yeah. But, but uh, and then I walked up and I, and I thought, well, this crowd is tough. Then I walked up and watched Kenny Robinson do a show that like only Kenny can do and these people are laughing and bowing and the only thing they didn't do was build a statue and that's it be them so yeah well yeah that's one of the first that's the one of the things I realized about comedy starting out is it's really a community you know no matter where you are if you're uh, if you're doing a show out of town and you need a couch to crash on there's usually a Facebook page or some social media associated with that and uh, usually comics yeah. kind of understand the grind uh, which is nice. Well, you know, when I was coming up, there were very few headliners that really wanted to, uh, 
tell me how it was done. And, and I made lots of mistakes. I made some really shitty mistakes in my in my uh, career. And, and uh, but uh, I've always thought that the headliners that shared their knowledge were the ones that I love the most now, right? And they're and and so being supportive is, is really important. You know, it's probably it's probably one of the only businesses where you you might not stand the guy. As a human being, but as a comic, if you get some trouble, we'll all get there and raise money for the price. Yeah, and like, so when was the first time you were doing stand up that you you uh, you realized, you know, maybe I've got something special here, you know, like uh, I'm building on something, and this is something I want to pursue further. Oh, you know, I I don't have an answer to that. I've always wanted to do comedy. That's all I've ever wanted to do ever since I was young probably eight years old or so, I watched uh, Johnny Carson and uh, Dean Martin was on there making them laugh, and I knew that from being bullied and I was making people laugh, well, you know, the bullies would leave me alone, and I thought, you can make a, you can make a, you can make a living doing this, Yeah. right? And then I realized, uh, in Canadian comedy, man, maybe, but um, I don't know when that pivotal moment was, pal. I, I, I just know that all of a sudden it seems like I've... I've arrived, and yeah. I, you know, I don't know if it was. I, I really don't have an answer to that. I just always <laughs> just wanted to do it so bad that I guess I never thought about doing anything else. Yeah, something I've been asking kind of uh, all the guests I've had on the show so far is, you know, like thirty years is a long time to do comedy. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I'm still you know, going after, uh, you know, five years, you know, there's, cause you know, kind of like comedy is that roller coaster of, you know, good and bad shows, all that. But what is it for you that keeps you going after 30 years, uh, keeps you coming back every night to the stage and, uh, and keep going? You know what? It's just a crowd. I, I love the way I feel when I make the crowd laugh and I love the way I feel when they give me a standing ovation or when, if they think I deserve it. And I, I just love, the interaction, the the wordplay, the the challenge of coming up with new stuff, the the part of the laziness of just doing old material too. To be honest with you, yeah. But you know what? When you know they say laughter is the best medicine, they being whoever that said that originally, I suppose. <laughs> but and, and I find that to be somewhat true. But when you're the one bringing the laughter, it's ten times more powerful. The endorphins go through my body. I could be depressed and. On, you know, on the, on the cusp of feeling almost suicidal, and I'll go into a show, and all of a sudden my heart feels worthwhile, my soul feels pumped, my life feels completely different. Now. Yeah, you feel like a, it gives you a purpose, right? You're there to, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the it's the only business that you uh, nobody asks you how how well the show went, but everybody tells you how shitty the show went. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's we, we pride ourselves in having the worst uh, road stories ever, right? Yeah. And uh, it's um, it's it's funny that oh how the show go? Oh it's good. Okay, no discussion. How the show go? Oh man, let me tell you. And then that's a that's a two hour that's a two hour beer fest, right? There you go. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit in your answer there, uh, but but. Uh, you, you talk about the the writing process a little bit and and what it's like for you. Like, I know for me, like it's it's a little different for everybody. Is there are you a the type of person who sits down with pen and paper, or are you grabbing your phone and uh, using your uh, recorder to to record a quick bit as you're on the road, or what's the process like for you? 
whenever something hits me as funny or it comes in, I, I either write, I have to write it down or I'll forget it in a, in a minute. I remember, um, if, if I don't, I, I remember my, uh, my oldest son's mom and I were just about to drift off and I said to her something really funny. She goes, oh my God, you got to use that on stage. We were laughing to the point of tears. Yeah. And I said, you know, so you going to write that down? I said, no, no, there's no way I forget that. And then we wake up in the morning and neither one of us remembered what it was, right? Oh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Pardon me, though. I'm okay if, if I have to, uh, if I have to sit and I'm forced to write, I have to sort of get in the groove of it if I'm writing a debate or if I'm writing something out for, you know, one of the comedy festivals that wants to see, you know, write out your act. I'm like, oh, can I just record it and send it to you? Because yeah. a lot of the stuff I say is the attitude of which I say it and the way I say it and my facial expression and things like that. But, um, I'm just, a, I'm just, I love going on stage and just riffing see yeah. where it's going. And, Spare and the I, moment. I, that I, I should have recorded, yeah, being in the moment. And I, there's many times where I should have recorded my set because I get off stage and people, oh, that was a great joke about Hot Wheels stars. And I'm like, don't remember uh, saying that, but thanks, right? But, like, uh, are you somebody that's still, uh, like, even though you've been doing this for so long, every time you get up there, are you recording your set? Are you, are you... Are you somebody? Because for me, uh, that's, am I or am I or should I? <laughs> well, that's one of the things I've been told is is that the best way to learn is either to have a video of your yeah. set or an audio recording so you can, uh, you know, compare it to yeah. past sets. Well, compare it to past sets. See why I work on that one didn't get a, a laugh, and then usually sometimes it's just one word, right? Yeah. And. Uh, that, that I've changed or, or fell flat on or, or whatever, but yeah, I do every once in a while record my sets, but I, uh, I, I I often forget to, but I believe everybody should record all the sets they're on because nobody knows where that little nugget's going to come in and, and all of a sudden, and I've also written stuff, you know, three decades ago that I couldn't figure out where to fit my set, and then all of a sudden, I'll be talking along, and I'm like, oh, this fits her perfectly, right? So Yeah, so you still got uh, notes and stuff from... from all the way back yep. when you started? Oh, I still, I have a box or a tote, I think, full of little pieces of paper with ideas and napkins with things written on it. And yeah, it's, uh, some of it is irrelevant and a lot of it isn't, you know, palatable in this day and age, but there's still a lot of shit there. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, your first show there with, with Kenny Robinson. Uh, as you mentioned, he's kind of an icon there as well, but, uh, is there, is he somebody maybe that's uh, like kind of an icon or gave you that inspiration or boost uh, when you've been yep. going through your career? Or is, is there other people that have kind of, uh, you know, helped you or, or, or particular people that have uh, been supportive throughout your journey? Oh, Kenny Robinson's been one of my, my favorite people. He's like a big brother to me. He's, uh, he's mentored me. He's phoned me when he knows I was down and things like that. Yeah. For me. And uh, Mike McDonald, uh, Mike McDonald was a Canadian icon, and I met him, and we we we, we got along well, and we we really you know we toured together for quite a quite a while in one year, and and he would phone me on a daily basis because we both knew that actually on a daily basis. Sorry, we 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 talked to each other on a daily basis when we we're on the road and and, and worked together, and then that sort of spilled into our friendship. He would call me every once in a while. And you still alive? Did you kill yourself yet? I'm like, nope. He goes, okay, me neither. Okay, good. Okay, 
I know, like you live in Winnipeg. Uh, is that where you first started doing stand-up, or? You know, you know what? I, I I lived in Calgary during the Olympics. I went to Calgary and was was a security and a and a bodyguard there for the Olympians uh, in eighty uh, in eighty eight. And I just stayed there and I and I you know was bouncing on a pub there and I sort of just liked that sort of a lifestyle. Get up late in the late late in the day and you know go work out and then go to the bar and I was drinking pretty heavily back then so it was, yeah. it was a it was a win-win situation for me right so <laughs> then the opportunity came uh, for me to do comedy and I, I did a, a contest and did pretty well and and um, just never never stopped uh, never stopped pursuing it there was a little comedy club called Jester's Comedy Club back in the day that was there and they were looking for a sound guy so mm-hmm. I went and I did that and then they let me on stage and the first time I stepped on stage to do any kind of comedy was at a, a, the bar that I was working at uh, yeah. called Three Cheers. Had a, 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 every once in a while, every month or so, there was a comedy night. But the headliner, and I can't remember, it was somebody from the States, I can't remember who it was, came and did a, did a set, but they, they didn't have an opening act. And they said, oh, Taz will do it. So I went and they did it. And it was just, uh, it was just, I just caught the fever, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, with this next question, you can feel free to answer as much or as little as you want. I know you mentioned, uh, you know, your mental health and some of the things you go through, um, and I know that means a lot to you. And I, I the the set I keep, I, I usually like to, uh, to to watch whenever I'm down is your is your uh, the Winnipeg Comedy Festival one where you where that that was really great where you talked about you know your mental health and the things you go through. Um, oh, the one where uh, Mike Smith bubbles opened up the whole show, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to watch yeah. that. Do you find, uh, ha, have have people in general like been pretty receptive of that or, or comic, comics in general are pretty uh, pretty understanding or? Uh, well, you know what, at the beginning, not as much, right? People didn't know and I, got, I literally got some hate mail from, from people, not from comics. There were, there were a bunch of ingrown work out there, people that were comics that were kind of assholes to me about it. And, and, you know, I just moved forward and realized that their opinions meant, yeah. you know, nothing in the grand scheme of things, right? They're like, and that just gets a shake up to go away eventually. But these, um, at the beginning, it wasn't as easy, mm. but I still did it because I knew if I didn't do it, who was going to do it, really, to be honest with you? And, and I knew once I opened up that big old bag of worms that, that uh, there wouldn't be any closing it, right? 
have you, you watch that that uh, video. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite times to have ever stepped on stage because it took a while for me to convince them to, to, to do the show and, uh, you know, to do the show and, and to have, um, well, just have me talk openly about my mental health. They didn't put everything, I, I talked way more than I than they showed, of course. Yeah. But now, now I go on stage and I, and I talk openly about me being sad and my suicide attempts and my, my, my depression and my anxiety and my, my outrageous anger that I used to have. And yeah. I'm not the same cat I was back then. I am a very, uh, I'm a lot more peaceful and a lot more at peace. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially with myself and my emotions, man. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I love most about that particular set. It's just like, you know, you can tell like it, it's it's raw and honest and like real, but there's like there's comedy in it. Like it's 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 well crafted, but it's also like honest and yeah, it's it's funny at the same time. And you, you can tell like the audience's reaction is just like real and very appreciative. I feel like so. Um, well, you know, I didn't even know I was gonna start that set. Dean Jenkinson was back. Who's another comic who's down with the uh, uh, artistic director of the Winnipeg Comedy Festival? I said, "Dude, I don't know how I'm going to start my set." And as I walked out, I went, "Oh, I have an idea. You know, I have an idea that worked out well." When I said, uh, "He came and told me to uh, talk about my mental illness yeah. to be a good role model for my son," and I said, "I can't do this. There's no way I can do that." And then a little voice in my head said, "Hey, again, ask the toaster." And then it was on the fly where I thought about that. And it's one of my favorite one of my favorite opening lines of any of the festivals that I've ever done, any TV I've ever done, that one right, right there, just right away put everybody at ease. They know I was going to be talking about my mental health and they were, you know, they were, they were happy with it, right? Yeah. Uh, 100%. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about in particular is, you know, I've been doing comedy myself for about five years and I'm kind of at this point where, you know, I'm doing, you know, uh, you know, fives or tens or, 15 sometimes doing like a, a headline spot and open mic uh you know but what what is the what is the uh what would be your biggest advice from going going from uh like like an opener to sort of being a middle act you know because for me like uh the biggest the biggest thing i have is like how, how do i proceed how do i like get to the to the next step and just not be considered like you know just another open micer, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I want to craft my act the best that I can, but is there any mm-hmm. advice you have in terms of how to get to that next level, what things to look at? And Well, my only advice is don't go forward before you're ready, right? right? So if they, if they want you to do 15 minutes, have 30 or 40 minutes, because what's going to make you popular with the crowd and the bookers and, the, and, your, and your fans is consistent. So if you go into a situation and you need to do 15 minutes and you only have 15, and you only have 15 minutes that you can do, right. you know, yeah. and if the crowd's not buying it, you've got nothing to back up on. You've got no backup. You've got no, right? You, you soiled your shirt and you got nothing else to wear, right? right. Yeah. So you just, and don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about how other people are doing. Don't worry about the chances they've got have the confidence to move forward and, you know, sell the stuff to the crowd and know your limitations. You know, if you're a dirty comic, don't, and I don't mean, and, and I, I don't, and people think I disparage dirty comedy. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I just, in the shows that I book, I can't use comics that are, are blue in that because I book these squeaky clean 
corporate that I book places like these 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 uh, fundraisers that are that are in some highly religious places, right? Right. So just know know where you're seated to be, right? Go mm-hmm. on the stages that, that you know where you're going to be welcome on, and that you're going to make sure that the, the stage is there afterwards. A lot of times, guys and and, and comics and and and, and, um, and gals will. They'll, they'll get on a stage and they don't belong there and it doesn't ruin the for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Our job as, to, as comedians is to make sure that the stage is there for many, many years and many other comedians after. If you feel like your job is to go up, if you feel like your job is to go up and, 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 and uh, you know, destroy a stage and burn the stage, then you shouldn't be doing comedy. You're not no. ready yet. You know? And, and some people get upset when I say this is that, you know, how do you know you're a comedian or a comic? Well, you're, 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 when you're an amateur, you go up and tell jokes. When you're getting paid to tell jokes, you're a comedian and to me, you're a comic. And when you, you make your living being a comic, that's when you're a comedian. Right. And, and a true comedian or comedian, I mean, I don't distinguish the two, male and female and, and bi- non-binary or anybody that's funny, you know, to me, it's just a comedian. There's no right. different, uh, you know, gender specific words for it but when you go up and you know uh, that you can kill and you do and you kill and you do great mm-hmm. and then when another client calls you and goes here we want you to play this gig you go you know what I'm not the comic for that and you you know your limitations and you go okay right. but here I'm gonna here I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this person's phone number or here call this booker and here's who I recommend for that gig but yeah. if you're making a step out of you know into the into the world of, of getting paid, it's going to be consistently. Right. When you can be consistently funny to a consistent amount of people, then you're going to be you know you're going to be uh, ace of stuff. Right. I appreciate that. Um, so you've you've done this for thirty years. What what is the thing that you you've done over your career so far that you're most proud of? Talking about my mental health. And setting a good example for my boys, I I love uh, going on stage and and making people laugh and cry and <laughs> then laugh again. I call it the bipolar way, right? I'll make you laugh and then you cry and then you laugh and we'll be on the same road. That's yeah. that's my that's my most proud is to be on stage naked in front of everybody, going, "Here's me," and to have the confidence to do that. Mm-hmm. Are there certain uh, are there certain goals and things you're working towards right now uh, for the future, uh, or like you said, I know you do a lot of booking as well. Like, uh, are, are there certain things you're working towards, or are are you are you content with where you're at now? Well, you know what? Somebody asked me the other day, "How do I know? How do you know you're successful?" I said, "Because I'm happy, right? I'm happy with working a, a, a few times a month and, and and making you know making my nut for the month for." You know what I need to make, and and, and that, and I think I, I'd like to have my own show. I really would. I don't know if I'd be hosting a show of some sort, an antique show, or and I or I love cars, right? So I'd love to oh, wow. host a, a car show or or a history show or something like that. I don't know, man. I, I guess the, the universe won't give it to me until I figure out what the <laughs> hell I want. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but I would I would love to, I would love that. I would love the opportunity to have a show. And, and, you know, at this point in time, you know, the old saying goes, you're not paying me to do my show, you're paying me to be away from my family, right? So, yeah. um, my, my oldest boy is 25, he, he didn't 
storm, right? Is so, there is there one particular road story or memory that that you can share that that uh, that that sticks out over over your journey so far? Oh man, I, I you know what? Um, I remember uh, the last time I played a bar. Uh, I was working with a comic named Des Reed and, Ken, and Kelly Taylor, and, yeah. and I can't remember the other two. Yeah, I and, actually. Uh, I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna say I I, I actually uh, I, I, I don't I know them fairly de- I recognize the names I know I initially like kind of uh, heard about you and got in contact with you through uh, Amy Trofima because she uh, was doing the Amy. comedy yeah hundred yeah, percent so Amy. Yep. there you go yeah Amy and I are, are pretty close and she was doing the uh, Rocky Mountain Comedy Festival there and and I was uh, doing some shows in Calgary and visiting her and then. Uh, She's got some uh, posters up that, with you on there, and I said, "Whoa, you!" <laughs> well, because I, yeah, I remember uh, my first introduction to comedy was really, uh, you know, the Comedy Now specials, and uh, I remember, you know, yours and Laurie Ferguson Ford's, and you know, Daryl Max. Those kind of comedy specials are the, are the things I remember seeing on TV when I was growing up. Uh, so. So no, that's how. Thanks for making me feel super old, now. Well, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but uh... I remember seeing this old fella when I was a young lad <laughs> on Comedy Now on the TV there. Uh, well, yeah. No, but for me, it's just it's uh, it's kind of uh, you know, mind blowing to see that that you guys are, you guys are still doing it, and you know, I just for me. Knowing how long I've, I've done it, and, and to be able to, to pick your brain a little bit is, is quite a is quite a privilege. So I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. You, you ever you ever want to pick my brain? Just give a call. You got my email. You got my cell number. Give me give me a call anytime, man. Yeah. You know what? I had an uncle named John. My uncle Johnny passed away uh, in October of last year. Right. And he said to me one time, he goes, "What do you want to do with your life, man?" I said, "I want to be a comedian." And of course, I you know in, in the summertime I was on a farm, and, the, and in the wintertime I was in, you know living in Saskatoon, right? So right. he said everybody's like, "Oh, that's a ridiculous dream." And I had one counselor go, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." And my uncle Johnny said, "You know, other people are doing this, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, ask them how to do it. If they don't tell you, if they don't tell you how to do it, then you um, then you figure out how to do it, and then when you figure out how to do it." You make sure you share it with everybody because your wisdom is to be shared; it's not to be hoarded. Right. And so I, I always believe that you know what's going to work for me is going to work for you. But I'll give you whatever advice I think is necessary at the time. If if you ask whether you take it or not, that's up to you. But you know, I think I think my job as a as a I don't know. I know I kind of interrupted your uh, road story there. I, I, I oh, that's okay. I don't remember what it was going to be. No. Oh, okay. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what, what, what happened was uh, after the show, there was a big scrap. And we were all fighting, and I went, this is bullshit. Why am I doing this? Like, why am I on the road 
you know, we're getting into a scrap, Reed and Taylor and I, and, and with, with locals at this bar in PA, and I'm like, this is this is fucked, dude. This is, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. So I called Des and I just said, you know what, I'm not doing any more bars. I'm never doing another bar unless it's on my terms. And I went home and I tripled my price and sat there and waited for, you know, and I thought, well, nobody's calling, so I better go start making my own, making my own shows. And I started making my own shows and I started, you know, the first thing I did is I went and I called everybody that I could find in the, in the newspaper or anybody in mention of a, a charity and said, listen, I'll be your MC. It doesn't matter what your budget is. But you have to use my name and my picture in all your advertising. And so okay. in a few months, everybody thought I was this high roller because I was doing all these high, you know, these high profile events. Well, I wasn't. But you know, perception is everything, right? Yeah. So I I got them to use my these, these charities and you know stuff used my name and my picture and all their advertising on the radio and in the newspaper. Within a few months, Big Daddy says this, Big Daddy says that, Big Daddy says this. He's here, he's here, he's there, and right? And they didn't know I was, I was getting paid piss all to do these shows. Yeah. So when these people called me, I said, well, here's my corporate rate. And I remember the first time somebody said, yeah, we can do that. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, holy shit, are you serious, right? Wow, it's a good so, feeling there. You know, you, you know, and then I had to clean up my act. I was a, I was a super dirty act. Right. And then I had to now become squeaky clean to do these corporate gigs. And I learned very quickly. Very yeah. quickly, that the game is to be played like this. Yeah. And sometimes people shit on me, pal, because they say, "Oh, you're doing corporate. You're, 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 you know, they stifle your art." And here's what I say to that: the art part of being a comedian is creating the comedy. Mm-hmm. The business part is learning that you're working for somebody else. And so it's like it's it's no different than being an artist. Say you want to do nothing but news, so you paint all these news. But you're still really good at painting landscapes, too. So somebody comes along and goes, okay, well, I see you painted some landscapes and I see you painted a bunch of nudes. Well, we're going to have my art gallery is a very, you know, is a very conservative part of Soho, so we want all your landscapes. Yeah. And then you go and you go, but no, I only want to do nudes. So and none of your nudes sell because they're, they're the wrong art in the wrong time. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Is that 100%. when you step on stage... It's not you being a comedian for, you know, uh, when you're working corporate world. It's you working for that corporation to make that corporation, that booker, that uh, agent look awesome so they want to hire you again. Right. Now, when you go and you sell a show uh, and it's you, it's you going and selling a, an event just to see you, then you can do whatever the hell you want because that's people coming to see just you. Yeah. Right? So they go, okay, we want a comedian. Okay, you want Meek's available. So you go and you do a show for the corporate people. You're working with them. But then they say to me, here's an idea. Let's give Meek his own, let's give him his own uh, theater show. And he can do whatever the hell he wants. So then you go and you just do whatever the hell you want because people are still there to see you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a game. And people, I don't want to play the game. Well, guess what? You can, you can be a starving artist or you can, or you can, well, my last question for you is: What would you, what do you think is the biggest uh, misconception people have of, of stand-up comedians? Uh, I know maybe you kind of touched base on some of it already, but 
Are there certain? I think. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things people think is that we always are happy, right? Yeah. We're always we're always got it together and. No, you know what? I said to a comedian one time, I said, do you ever feel, like, terrified? And yeah. the comedian looks at me, he goes, fuck that. Every moment of every day. Yeah. And I went, but on stage, you're, you're an icon. And, and he said, nope. Every moment of every day. Yeah. I'm terrified. Well, and how yeah. I've kind of looked at things personally for myself is, is I, think, I think what I've realized is, to some extent, you know, uh, comedy... For, for a lot of comedians, it is our therapy. And so we all have these issues we're going battling in our own head. And, and uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, sometimes the most terrifying part is that I have to, or like, that you sort of portray this happy person on stage or, the, you know, this this person that makes everybody laugh. And then you go home and you, you feel like garbage some days. Uh, yeah. But, and that's when you start drinking and that's when you start drugging and that's when you start living in your head and then you start spiraling downwards, right? I mean, you know, how, how, how are you still having fun doing comedy, little brother? Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, there, there's the, yeah. uh, there's the, uh, there's the days where, you know, I, I, I try some new stuff and it doesn't go how I hoped or, you know, my set didn't go like I, like I planned or hoped or whatever it is. But, you know what, I, how, how I try to push myself through it is I just think about like, you know, there certain times where I do shows, for example, uh, like uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I got to perform uh, at the Laugh Shop in Calgary, and that room seats about 300. And, you know, as a guy from Red Deer, I don't get to do a crowd like that very often. So so doing a couple shows like that, whenever I have a, have a crowd of, let's say, five or, you know, whatever, don't get much response, I just think about, you know, push through it because there's going to be times that it's going to get better. So. And, and you know what, buddy? And to be totally honest with you, the shittiest day of doing comedy still beats the best day of working in an office. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be working in a cubicle anytime soon. So, well, <laughs> I uh, I appreciate your time, uh, Taz, and thanks so much for sharing it. Uh, just before you go, uh, is there anything like I know I mentioned your website? Uh, BigDaddyTaz.com. Is there anything I I know you're reading the books to kids uh, in the mornings at, at ten thirty in the morning, and they can they can uh, follow you on Facebook. And, and uh, I don't know how long you'll be reading the books for and stuff. But uh, is there anything? Today was the first day, and, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. And if the response is there, I'll keep doing it. Right. So yeah. Even past this, you know, even past this. Uh, we're having in the world right now hopefully all right well i appreciate it and hopefully one of these days uh we can meet in person and uh and uh you know share the stage yeah, together no, I, don't, I don't i don't think i want that to happen <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> yeah. I would quite like that, man. I think you're. I think you're an interesting cat, and I, and I love the fact you do the podcast. And it makes me so happy to know that comedy still gives you joy and 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 stuff like that, man. I just want you to yeah. go forward and, and have as much fun doing comedy as you can, and, and I hope to share the stage with you soon. Thanks so much, Taz. Uh, uh, you have a good day and uh, stay safe. Wash your hands, and uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs> Lots of love, pal. Talk to you soon. All right.